Hello, and welcome back to Off the Deaton Path. I'm Stan Deaton with the Georgia Historical Society. We welcome you to this podcast for the week of October 21st, 2023. We are broadcasting this week from the field of broken dreams here at the Georgia Historical Society on the 15th floor of the Jepson House overlooking beautiful Forsyth Park in downtown Savannah. And if that sounds depressing, I don't mean for it to, but this is a podcast about what happened to the Braves And I know if you're checking in here and you're going, I thought this was a podcast about history. It usually is. And unfortunately, the Braves for this season, 2023, are history. I thought it might be fun and at least it would be therapeutic for me to get this out of my system and to talk about what happened to the Braves at the end of this magical baseball season. As I record this, we are six days beyond the end of the 2023 season. Once again, the Braves' season ended ingloriously in Philadelphia. They were a victim of Red October for the second year in a row in almost the exact same fashion. We lost to the Philadelphia Phillies in the National League Division Series round. That is the second round of the baseball playoffs. There are a total of four if you count the World Series as the fourth round. We went out in the second round. To a team that finished in second place behind the Braves, 14 games behind us in the National League East Division. There are all kinds of things wrong with that, Um, one of them being the fact that we had to play a team in the playoffs that couldn't get closer than 14 games to us over a 162-game season. Baseball is a very funny sport. If you've listened to anything, read anything over the last week, you have heard some variation of everything that I am going to say. Uh, and I hope that I just say it differently or maybe even better. But baseball is different than every other sport for a lot of different reasons. Uh, You play 162 games over six months, and every team goes through highs and lows over that season. Every team is capable on any other day of beating a team that's much better or losing to a team that's much worse. And these things happen over the course of a season, and – Fans get bent out of shape when your team loses five in a row. They get exhilarated if you win seven or eight in a row. But these things do happen. When they happen in a very short series, at the end of the season, in the playoffs in October, everything is magnified. And the Braves, for two seasons in a row, have finished a magnificent season with at least 100 wins and have gone out ingloriously in about four games to a team that was significantly worse, not as good, in the playoffs. In this case, the Philadelphia Phillies. And it seems to be, uh, there's no way to account for it. I will say this. If you were a fan of the Braves in the 1990s and the early 2000s, you witnessed some of the best baseball teams in history. I mean, those teams, those Braves teams were often the best team in baseball over the course of the season. They played lights out for six months. And then they got into a short series in the playoffs and everything changed. Hot bats were cold. We had three of the best pitchers in Major League history on those teams, many of those teams. I'm talking about Tom Glavin, John Smoltz, and Greg Maddox. They got into the playoffs, nothing. I mean, the Braves won one World Series after all of those teams that were so good. The Braves didn't have a closer during that period. You remember Mark Wohlers. You remember John Rocker. Those guys got into the playoffs and could not find the plate. The most glaring example of this was the 1996 World Series. The Braves were coming off a World Series win in 95. They played wonderful in 96. They go to the World Series against the Yankees in 96. First two games in Yankee Stadium, and they win there 
All they have to do is win two of the next four games. Five games. They won two. You got to win four out of seven. There were five games left if it went to the max. They needed to win two of those games. The Yankees won four straight, swept us out of the World Series, and we never even got close to another one until 2021. Many times, many times the best team over the course of a season doesn't win the World Series. It often happens. That in itself is not a problem. But baseball, it's just strange because on any given day, the worst team can beat the best team. To wit, earlier this season, the Braves went into Oakland to play a team that was projected to win a total of 30 games over the entire season. To that point, I think they had won 10 games. Now the Braves had played a late game on ESPN on Sunday night. They were starting early on the West Coast. It was like a 5:30 game. And they got their butts handed to them by the Oakland A's. Two out of three games. We saw it earlier in the season when they got swept by the Houston Astros. Clearly not a worse team, but they got swept. In September, the St. Louis Cardinals came to town. In Truist Park, last place team in the NL Central, hadn't looked good all year, and the Braves made them look like a World Series team. I think for those who wanted to pay attention during the season, there were shades of what was to come. But this team, as you all know, set Major League records for offense, the number of runs they scored, when they scored them so early in the game, tied a Major League record for home runs. The pitching was not the best we've ever had, but it was pretty good. It was good enough to win 104 games and to get into the playoffs. And once again, ice cold. Nobody showed up. Austin Riley was the only player who showed up. The guy who's probably going to win the MVP, Ronald Acuna, wouldn't even do an interview after the last game was over. He never showed up. Never showed up. In four games, we hit three home runs. Scored a total of like eight runs in three games. How many games did you watch this season? The Braves scored almost eight runs in the first inning. It happened so many times it got to be routine. That is the nature of baseball. Good pitching suddenly goes bad. Really good offensive teams can't score, can't hit. It seemed to me everybody was up there swinging at the first pitch. On the one hand, that seems really silly, but it worked for the Phillies. First batter up, Kyle Schwarber, Schwarbs. First pitch in the first game against Spencer Strider, and he knocks a double. They were aggressive. They came out with attitude. They came out with swagger. The Phillies, you may hate them. I think they're a fun team to watch. I mean, if you love baseball, you you can't get much more fun than watching the Phillies play in October. I'm not a Phillies fan. Okay. I don't I I think they're arrogant, but I think they have a reason to be. I mean, these guys want to just, you know, cruise through the regular season, finish 14 games out. Maybe the Braves have the wrong idea. And this is going to sound ridiculous. But maybe the Braves don't need to kill themselves for 162 games to win their division by the middle of September and then play over two weeks of meaningless games while other teams have to scrabble to get into scrap to get into the playoffs. And then they come in red hot. You know, when when the Braves won the World Series in 21, we did win our division that year, but we only won like 87 games. We were not by far the best team, but we were the hottest. We came into the playoffs, lost the first game in Milwaukee, then won that series, beat the Dodgers. Uh, you know, in the in the next round, uh, it was just incredible. Um, it, it, they were playing with the with an attitude 
with a focus and with a swagger, with with an enthusiasm that was just sorely lacking this year and last year. Um, and I think it's time that we finally all come to grips with the fact that the 21 World Series team is not there anymore. I mean, yeah, Ozzy Albies is still there. Austin Riley is still there. Eddie Rosario, one of those additions to that team that just gave it such a spark plug. He's still there, but he's never played like he did in those playoffs. Um, Travis Darno still behind the plate, even if he's not our primary catcher. And I know Max Fried was there, but literally think about everybody else. Those left fielders, Adam Duvall and um, Jock Peterson, Jorge Soler, the beast. Freddie Freeman, Dansby Swanson, uh, so many of those guys, they're not there anymore. Matt Olson, you don't get much better than he is. Any other year we'd be talking about him as the MVP. He hit more home runs than any any Brave. Atlanta, Milwaukee, or Boston in history. But God bless him. He seems like he's sleepwalking through the game sometimes. I mean, none of the Braves, except for possibly Ronald Acuna. And by the way, Ronald Acuna was there in 21, but you recall he couldn't play. He had messed up his knee. Uh, Guillermo Heredia was there that year with his swords and all the business they were doing. I mean, those guys came fired up. They came with swagger. This team, last year's team, didn't have swagger. Uh, don't seem to have a leader. They lead by committee. Again, none of this is bad, and it doesn't work against them in the regular season, but something is not clicking in the postseason. You remember the knock on many of those 90s Braves teams with that they were almost phoning it in. They were almost corporate. Winning was so routine to them that they didn't have to get excited or emotional. In fact, they played almost without emotion, and then when they got into the playoffs, that didn't work. I don't know if that's what's happening here. I don't know if they just feel the pressure. Last year and this year, and they just everything just sort of seizes up. But to have a lineup like they had this year, one through nine, and to have almost virtually nobody except Austin Riley show up and do anything, it it just beggars the imagination. And when I said at the beginning, baseball is not like other sports. You know, in football, almost always the team that's demonstrably better usually wins. That is not to say there aren't upsets. But, you know, in college football last year, Georgia was demonstrably better than everybody else, except maybe Ohio State. And that game sort of played out that way, right? Georgia won in the end, but it was very close. Those teams were pretty evenly matched. Georgia was so much better than TCU, and it, it showed in the national championship game. Absolutely destroyed them uh, in the pro game, right? For all those years when New England had Brady, they were just better than everybody. And yeah, they sometimes got upset. They didn't always win, but they won a lot, especially on the big stage when it mattered. And I tell you, you you may hate the Phillies, but those guys show up to play and they play with focus and attitude and swagger. And yeah, I know the Reese Hans can, uh, you know, bat spike last year, really got under everybody's skin. But you know what? They They did it. They showed up. They did it this year. I mean, they took us out behind the woodshed. I don't know what the answer is. Um, I, I, I do think it's funny that I've heard people say, you know, maybe maybe we shouldn't win the division. Maybe we should go in as a wild card team. Let the Philly kill themselves uh, to, to win 100 games and win the division. Let's go in 14 games out but be the hotter club and win the whole thing. Now, the Phillies haven't won the whole thing yet. They didn't win it last year. They did win the National League pennant last year. It's very strange to me, This all this wild card business. This is the second year in a row 
that the National League Championship Series has two wildcard teams. These two teams, the Arizona Diamondbacks and the Phillies, finished a combined 30 games behind the division leaders. So are they the best teams? No, clearly not. They're the hottest teams. They're the two hottest teams. And really, that's what the baseball playoffs have become. It's become a tournament. Who gets hot during the tournament? There's the there's the regular season. Now, I don't think this Braves team was a failure. I'm not trying to be Susie Sunshine here, but I will tell you, I don't think this team was a failure. And I'll tell you why. I've been a Braves fan and in a hardcore Braves fan who followed the team religiously for 50 years, since 1973. And I suffered through some of those teams in the 70s and 80s that were horrendous, that lost 100 games. And you haven't lived till you follow the Braves day in and day out on TBS with Skip Carey, Pete Van Weeren, and Ernie Johnson and those guys with teams that were so bad that literally they lost two out of every three. It's a lot more fun to win two out of every three. This season was one of the most fun to watch in Braves history. They were magical. They were a team. You know, I mean, they had a lot of individual stars who set a lot of individual records, and it was wonderful to watch Matt Olson hit those home runs and to watch Ronald Acuna chase uh, 40-40 and then 40, you know, all the way to 40-70. It was magical. It was magical. And, and for six months to watch them every night was so much fun if you're a baseball fan. And there's no getting past that. I can't just say this was a failure because they didn't go very far in the playoffs. If you're a baseball fan and you watch the game and you watch the players play the game, when your team wins 104 games, that's a great season. And it's it doesn't get much better than that. It really doesn't. Do I wish they had done a lot more in the playoffs? Of course. And no one was more ready to put their fist through a wall than I was watching those games last week. They were painful and painful to watch the lose to the Phillies. It's one thing if you're losing to the Padres or, you know, the, the Fish, the Marlins, whatever. I mean, any of those. But to lose to the Phillies is just painful. But, man, if you like baseball, what a great season we had. And there's no going – there's no taking that away from anybody, and, and I wouldn't try to. Um, I, I'm not going to say – it's like having a great football team that, you know, just comes up just short of the Super Bowl when you've been suffering through, you know, year after year after year of really crappy teams that didn't do well. So um, – the question now going forward, what do the Braves need to do? That's going to be uh, a question for Alex Anthopoulos. This is going to be an interesting offseason. Uh, what do we do with left field? We seem to have center field with Michael Harris and, of course, Acuna locked up. We've got first base, second base. It looks like uh, Orlando Arcia is going to be there for a while as shortstop. We've got our third baseman. Catcher is certainly locked up with Sean Murphy. Um, the question is, is Alex Anthopoulos going to be able to pull off a move like the Sean Murphy move this offseason? Nobody saw that coming. We were able to get one of the premier defensive catchers and really a guy who in the first half had a great bat as well, made the all-star team. Are the Braves going to be able to pull off something in left field? Now, they have an option on Eddie Rosario for $9 million. And there's some people who feel like, hey, his 21 home runs and 80-something RBIs for $9 million, that's a bargain in baseball. Take the option, put him out there. He platooned with Kevin Pillar, who is a free agent. He may or may not be back. He was a great leader on the team. Um, 
filled in some of that kind of that role uh steady as she goes could fill in um just like um uh, lopez one of the one of the mid-season pickups but you know do the braves try to sign an everyday left fielder um who can hit from the left side the way rosario could that's a question i think that they're going to have to answer i don't think there's any question that they need bullpen help anybody who watched the team this year I mean, I, I kept hearing, I listened to a lot of podcasts about the Braves and, <laughs> and kept hearing these guys talk about how solid this bullpen was. And yet every time, at least in September, they had a really bad September. It seemed like you had to hand this bullpen a nine-run lead to get out of the game alive because, you know, Michael Tonkin, Colin McHugh, um, you know, uh, Brad um, – I want to say Pierce Johnson. Pierce Johnson was the other guy, a Brad Hand. Uh, man, it's like those guys could not hold a lead. We had some injuries um, in, in the bullpen. I'm not sure. I, I suspect there's going to be a good bit of turnover in the bullpen. Relief pitching is always a premium. Pitching of any kind is a premium in Major League Baseball. And one of the biggest questions for the Braves going into the offseason and into the next season is what to do with Max Freed. Max Freed is going to be a free agent at the end of the 2024 season. Are they going to offer him a contract extension in the middle of the season? Does Max Freed decide to test the free agent market as Freddie Freeman and Dansby Swanson did before? If you're a Braves fan, if you've been a Braves fan longer than three years, I think you know the answer to this question. I think Braves fans need to steal themselves for the fact that Max Freed won't be back in 2025. Imagine him pitching for the Phillies or the Dodgers or the Yankees. I think that's a real possibility um, because the Braves – have shown they're not going to offer up a lot of money. He's shown that he's injury prone. They can make the argument that he isn't worth the kind of money that he would get on the open market, but there are those who would say that he's one of the top three or four pitchers in all of Major League Baseball, not just the National League. So it's going to be it's going to be huge. This is a big season for him. Can he stay healthy through the entire season? He was on the injured list a lot. And of course, during the playoffs, we were worried about a blister on his finger. So that's a big question mark. Those are the three biggest question marks, I think. Also, but then also what happens? We have a $20 million option on Charlie Morton. He will be 40 years old in November. <clears throat> Does he want to pitch next year? <clears throat> he has small children. He has said he might want to spend more time with his kids and get out of baseball entirely. On the other hand, you got small kids having $20 million in the bank isn't bad either. So, um, but do they offer it to him? Do they try to renegotiate and offer him $15 million? It's still not bad for a guy who gives you a 3.64 ERA and all the innings that Charlie did and the leadership. He is a proven veteran, and he's proven in the postseason. We don't know what he would have done in the postseason this year or 365 days from now, but I'd take my chances with Charlie Morton. Is Bryce Elder the real thing? He had a bad second half. He had a great first half. He made the all-star team. I think he's a terrific guy. Is he the Braves' third starter? Don't know. A.J. smith Shaver is probably the future. Is he going to be ready to go? Um, some of the other guys they had pitching this year in Jared Schuster and Dylan Dodd and some of the other people they have in the minors, are these guys going to be given a chance to, to win the 3, 4, or 5 spot? I think we know that it's going to be um, next year we've got um, Max Fried and, of course, Spencer Strider. And not in that order. I think even Alex Anthopoulos says that Spencer Strider is number one. He's the guy because he throws flames. He's a, he throws heat. He's your he's your strikeout guy, so he's the number one. Max is clearly an ace anywhere. Um, 
after that, what do we do in the rotation? I think the Braves lineup is set. I mean, these guys hit like nobody has ever hit for power, um, for speed, the way the ball came off the bat. And I think we can expect to see that for a long time to come. Uh, they're not missing many pieces. They're just missing something that allows them to bring to a short series um, what they do all year. And I'm not going to weigh in on whether or not baseball has really screwed up with making teams sit around for five days. Um, as has been pointed out, a couple of a couple of points that are really good, I think. Number one, if you're a good team, you ought to be a good team even after five days. Uh, I understand that a lot of, you know, Baltimore, uh, the Braves, the, the you know, the Dodgers, these teams that just won going away in the regular season all just got like swept right out of the playoffs. <clears throat> I don't think that's because of the format. Now, I will say this. Nobody asked me, but man, if Rob Manfred would call me, have I got it figured out for him? I think if you're a wild card team, I think there ought to be a real true reward for winning your division in baseball beyond just getting to host the first two games in any given series. I think there should be a real, I mean, baseball season is long, 162 games over six months. When you win your division in baseball, you should be rewarded. And here's what I would do. As of right now, there are three division winners and then three wild card teams. These are the teams that are the fourth, fifth, and sixth best teams after the three division winners. The day after the season ends, it ends on a Sunday. On the Monday following, I would have number five play number six. One game playoff. The next day, I would have number four play the winner of five and six. In this case, this would have been the Arizona Diamondbacks playing the Florida Marlins on the Monday after the season was over. The winner of that series would have played the Phillies in a one-game playoff so that there's only one wildcard team. Not two, like we had last year in the National League Championship Series. Not two, like we have this year. There'd be one wildcard team. Then at that point, the Phillies, who were seated fourth, would have then played the Braves. I would make that a, it would be on the Wednesday after the season ends on Sunday. So there's only two days to lay off. You're only you're only sitting around for two days waiting to play. I would have had the Braves play on Wednesday in a seven game series, not a five game series, not a best out of five, a best out of seven, and I would put all seven games in the number one seeds home park, in this case, truest. Because I think there has to be some reward for winning your division over 162 games. If you're a wild card team and you couldn't win your division, absolutely you can still go to the National League or American League Championship Series. Absolutely you can still go to the World Series, but your road is going to be harder and tougher than anybody else's. And so you ought to be forced to play seven games on the road and if you can beat that number one team four times in their own stadium, then you deserve to be in the National League Championship Series. But there's not going to be anything fluky about it. And there is not going to be anything because this one team didn't get to play for five days while you were out there playing meaningful baseball. That's how I would change this. I'm not saying that what the Phillies have done isn't legitimate. I'm not saying that what the Texas Rangers did wasn't legitimate. But I do think that if you can't win your division, 
over 162. We're not talking about over six weeks, you know, or in the 2020 season when there were, you know, 60 games. If you got that much time with the ins and outs and the ups and downs and the injuries and everything that occurs over the course of a season, and you can't get closer than 14 games, you can still go to the World Series, but your your road is going to be very steep and very hard. So, but you know, of course, that wouldn't take revenue away from the Phillies if they had to play seven times in Atlanta. But you know what? If they can beat the Braves four times in Truist Park, uh, then you deserve to go to the National League Championship Series. So that's what I would have done. The Milwaukee Brewers would have played the uh, Dodgers. The Braves would have played the Phillies in a seven-game series with all seven games, if necessary, in Truist Park. And then when you get to the National League Championship Series, if the Phillies then beat the Braves or whoever, if number four can beat number one, then you start hosting games at home. But I just think you've got to reward those teams that win the division. I don't think this, the way it's all set up now, I don't think it does anybody any favors to sit around for five days, but it didn't hurt the Houston Astros this year or it didn't hurt them last year. I just don't think that matters. I think if you're a good team, you get you focus, you show up, you play, you win if you're good. For whatever reason, the Braves just haven't been able to do that, not the postseason. They're a great team during the regular season, but they kill themselves to win a division title that I'm guessing right now they would trade that to be in the National League Championship Series. Let the Phillies be the National League East champions. It's a great thing to be able to say you won it for seven years in a row or six or whatever it is. It's a great thing to have that flag flying in the outfield. But <clears throat> I think we found out in baseball, you don't have to do that. So <clears throat> that's what I think about the Braves season. I still think it was wonderful. It was magical. I'm grateful for it. I'm bitterly disappointed they didn't go farther. But I think they have a great future. And if you love baseball, baseball is a rhythm. It's a day in, day out. It's it's a, it's from April to the end of September every year. And then this other thing begins, the tournament. And two years ago, the Braves were blessed to win with a team. And nobody saw that coming. Nobody gave them a prayer. And I think that's one reason we enjoy it so much. You didn't expect it. And there was no pressure on them to do well. We should treasure that for a long time because we found out it's really hard to do. So spring training starts in about four months. Pitchers will report the third week of February. The season will begin at the very end of March. We'll start it up all over again. The hardest working producer and engineer in show business, the czar of our Tallahassee office, as well as the captain of the GHS shin kicking team is our very own Brendan Cannonball Crellin. Our director of communications and the GHS ambassador from Long Island, one man damn Yankees fan club is Keith Pinstripes Stragero. The GHS empress of the historical marker, don't call them monuments division is at least 135 words butler. The captain of the GHS Italian wine tasting team is Rebecca Beerstein Bratina. Our GHS Director of Bean Counting is Greg Decimal Point Durkin, assisted by our Accounts Payable Administrator, Amelda Checks. The Director of the GHS Civil War Reenactors Division is Nate Stonewall Jackson Peterson. Our Off the Deaton Path Fact Checker is Ella Fino. Our Director of Employee Loyalty is Upton Leftus. The Off the Deaton Path Moving Van Driver is Carrie DeSofa. Our Staff Layoff Specialist is Harry Verderchi, assisted by Layoff Counselor Oscar LaVista. Our Off the Deaton Path HR Director is Stella Payne Diaz. Our Russian intern this year is Igor Beaver. Our Staff Director of Three Stooges Studies is Lee Iopoka. Dr. Todd Gross's personal eBay specialist is Selma Junkoff. And our Off the Deaton Path Martini Mixer is Olive Twist. You can find our podcast anywhere that you can find podcasts. There's no hiding from this. 
You can find out everything about the Georgia Historical Society at georgiahistory.com and the Georgia History Festival at georgiahistoryfestival.org. Be sure and like Off the Deaton Path on Facebook as well. Please also visit deatonpath.georgiahistory.com and check out dispatches from Off the Deaton Path, my blog, and similar strikeout-inducing podcasts like this one. Stay safe, stay strong. I'm Stan Deaton with the Georgia Historical Society. As always, thank you for listening.